Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 158. Hey, my riches, it's a new Monday and a new episode. And we are still in the days of the coronavirus crisis. But I truly hope we see the first clues for the way out. I love salespeople for two reasons. First, because all my first career life, for 21 years as a marketing director for leading brands, I always looked for good salespeople. And second, because it's a rare ability. And I always say that those who love and know how to sell will always find the best jobs. My guest today is an entrepreneur who built very successful businesses, but he's also a sales wizard who understands and helped many entrepreneurs. He told me, entrepreneurs manage to sell thanks to their enthusiasm, but as an entrepreneur, you need to find the logical reasons that will drive people to buy beyond your enthusiasm. Remember, when people buy things, they buy emotionally, but justify it logically. An entrepreneur can and must sell, and you can be fantastic in selling because of your enthusiasm. The techniques and tactics can be easily taught. So I recommend you to go to the reachomiss.com website. You will find there a lot of tips, guides, and great episodes with fantastic successful entrepreneurs that will help you become a business success story. Let's meet my guest today, Lance Tyson. A born entrepreneur and self-starter, Lance Tyson is an authority in the sales world with a passion for developing strong business leaders. Lance has worked with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment, including the New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys. After leaving school to start his first business, Lance began working for Dale Carnegie. He rose through the ranks, eventually building the most successful Dale Carnegie operation in North America. After a 15-year run, Lance sold his interest in Dale Carnegie in order to form a new company, Tyson Group. The focus of Tyson Group is to diagnose your sales team and propose solutions that deliver results that make sense for your organizations and needs. Lance says, We aren't just a company that provides training. We are a partner that provides solutions. Lance Tyson, what a pleasure to finally have you here with me. Hi. Hi, I appreciate being on. We, this has been a long journey with you and I getting on together and connecting. I'm excited. I am excited as well. And we are together finally, so everything is good. 
I really hope you and all your beloved one are safe and healthy in this crazy time. Yes. I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now, and I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today, and where are you heading? I appreciate you asking that. So our organization and myself, we're in the business of working with entrepreneurs, salespeople, just to help them compete in this very complex world. And that's what we're pretty passionate about. We, um, I feel personally, entrepreneurs um, who have a passion and a love for what they do, sometimes they, you know, they're very product heavy and sometimes not as equipped to sell things, but they're enthusiastic mm-hmm. themselves. And the work we do with sales teams, I always say at all times, I, entrepreneurs and salespeople are the last great warriors. So it's, uh, <laughs> I'm, it's I'm very passionate about that. And, and then, as you know, with your marketing background, it's where does where does sales begin and marketing end and vice versa right now? So it's a complex world at the end of the day. It really is. It is. It is. Uh, Mark Schaefer said that uh, we all became students. We know nothing. We are studying, you know, we are bringing all our experience, but everything is changing, isn't it? Or almost everything is changing. The world has shifted, especially in the last three weeks, it's shifted. Oh, yeah, that's it. And uh, Lance, do you specifically work with entrepreneurs? Is that some strategic decision for your business? Well, we do both, right? So we're very, our, or as an organization, the Tyson Group is our mantra is we work with sales leaders and their teams to help them compete in a complex world. And we, so we coach, train, and consult. And we have a bevy of organizations that we deal with, people that are entrepreneurs where, you know, they, um, there's a software company we're working with in Kentucky, uh, in Kentucky in the U.S., where they have some software that's really built around like wilderness, outdoors, and things like that. And they launched a, they launched this great connector they have with their folks, with their client base, and they just couldn't figure out how to sell it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll take on, if we feel that we can help um, we're boutique enough to do that. I, I was talking with a group today down in Tennessee, yeah. who an entrepreneurial group that's building like this membership around a golf course and this home living situation. And it's a membership and there's just a group of entrepreneurs. And so, so we, we do both really. If we feel that we can, we can make that connection and help speed to market and, and folks capitalize, we do take on that work. And you do focus on sales. We do, we do. How do you uh, define what you are doing in, in the organization? So, you know, there's still, and I think you and I were talking about it, you know, there are plenty of opportunities to, you know, where marketing, like you hop on um, Amazon and, you, and the marketing and the push technology will allow you to buy something, you make a decision. But there's plenty of opportunities out there still where things need to be sold and mm-hmm. that need to be presented. And, you know, people buy from people at the end of the day and to sell is human. And um, it's that's the part of what we do. And we, we look at processes that are somewhat complex. Um, this morning we were working. This isn't an entrepreneur. This is actually a bigger company, meaning a more established company that's been around for a while where the landscape has changed and they sell to the pulp industry, to the paper industry. industry. Oh. And their people are struggling right now because they can't go visit anybody. So what's that look like? 
They don't think it's more of a relationship sale now. They think they got to be presenting some things and be in front of it. So we look for opportunities like that. And and marketing, like where we see marketing colliding with what we do is kind of the front end of that sales process where marketing is identifying targets in a macro Mm -hmm. way. And we believe salespeople then have to make those engagements in a micro way, whether it's winning time off somebody's calendar, whether it's presenting something, things like that. I just told you before that I'm so excited because not many people are saying that they are focusing on sales. Did you always deal only with sales? Where did you start? Yeah. So my background was um, I'm an entrepreneur by nature. My um, my father's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, I, quit, uh, I quit college my senior year to start a business. I had 12 credits left. Oh. And I, um, ironically enough, it was right around the time that the Berlin Wall was coming down. And I had read an article mm-hmm. on importing and exporting. And uh, I decided I was going to start a company that would be import-export. And I was going to become a broker. And, and I was going to call on small manufacturers in the Northeast and literally Northeast uh, U.S. And one of the companies I was calling on decided that I was a pretty good salesperson. They hired me mm-hmm. for salary. So always very entrepreneurial. And then from there, I kind of went back to college, but I've also been very passionate in my life about self-improvement. So I fell in love with, you know, the, the Stephen Covey movement, the Anthony Robbins movement. And I go, geez, I, hmm. I want to be one of those people. I would love to be up in front of people and helping them. So I applied for a job for those companies to, to see if I could help them sell. I said, they, I figured they probably need salespeople, right? And then long story short, a friend of mine introduced me to a wonderful book that I endorse for all entrepreneurs, small business people. He introduced me to the the gentleman, Dale Carnegie. And <laughs> I, I still believe today that's the finest book you could ever read on being a leader and being a salesperson. And ironically enough, as I was trying to apply for these, you know, these other training companies to, to maybe sell for them, I dawned on me that I found an office in Philadelphia for a Dale Carnegie office. And I, oh. and I went and walked in and the guy started, who owned it asked me some questions. They were like sponsorships or um, like somebody would own a certain controlled marketing area. And um, I convinced him. He goes, why would I hire you? He goes, you don't even have a degree. I said, because I can sell. And I didn't <laughs> sell or not, but I told him I could sell. And um, he ended up hiring me in my role inside Dale Carnegie for several years because they have, um, it's a little different now, um, still a great company. They had open enrollment sales programs where you would sell a seat into an open enrollment 12-week class to a company or an entrepreneur who, who wanted to learn how to sell. And my job was to sell that program. So I became very acclimated <laughs> to selling sales training and then I got married and my wife and I was and you had to have a college degree to teach Dale Carnegie so my wife Ah. forced me to go back to college to get my degree then I can teach it and then over time I ultimately became an owner in one of their organizations and we ended up buying several of their organizations up in the U.S. Really? And so I always kind of had a passion for sales because I did a lot of training around it. And I saw the plate of salespeople and small business owners. And I've seen a lot of great success. Yeah, I'm very well aware of Dale Kernge from many years ago. We uh, used the guidance. I remember bringing Dale Kernge to one of the companies and having a whole session of a few months. Yep. So yep. yeah, it was really something big. 
I don't know how they work today. They're still around, and uh, we sold our interest in 2010 um, out of Dale Carnegie, oh. and then we, I started the Tyson Group and another company. So entrepreneurs in my blood, but I guess for me, selling as it relates to the difference between selling and marketing sometimes, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to sell yourself to the bank. You have to sell yourself to investors. You have to sell your, yourself to vendors. You have to learn how to sell your product. You have to sell yourself and your company when you hire. So I think that sales process is so important. And a lot of entrepreneurs fail at it. They get so excited about their product, they forget that not everybody else might not be that excited. And marketing blends in there. I think it's a, it's a fine blend of both. Yes, it is. Although, as I told you before, I think sales and salespeople are being neglected in a way. I always said that those who really love and know how to sell, they will always have jobs. Yes. They have nothing to worry about. You are an entrepreneur, and I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that's listening to us regarding the customer approach, their sales, their marketing, anything that has to do really with focusing on your customers and making the sales? So I would say, and I get, I, I get a similar question to that a lot, everybody that's listening has to realize that the sales process, how you sell, is the buying process inverted. Hmm. And so here's what I mean by this, and I'll just give you a quick example. So sitting in front of me, I have an iPad Pro, yeah. and a, a good friend of mine called me up. He's actually on our board. He uh, works for the Dallas Cowboys, and he his name's Chad. And for years, him and I would go back and forth. Now, you and I both know that iPads are pretty well marketed, hmm. but um, he called me up one day. He goes, Lance, if you want to change your life, he goes, you got to get this product. I go, what? What now? He's always coming up to me with some new technology. <laughs> and I go, I go, what? What? And he goes, an iPad. You got to get an iPad Pro. And I go, no way. I've already had an iPad. I hated it. He goes, no, no. <laughs> he goes, picture this. You're sitting in first class on a flight. You open up your laptop. You start cranking out a, an email. And all of a sudden, they deliver your food and drink, and you have to put it away. He said, this iPad Pro, all you need to do is move it to the side. It's convenient. folds. It'll change your life. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I got off the phone with him. And about a month later, I decided to go into a Best Buy. So I walk in and I go up to the kiosk and I, I start holding this iPad Pro. And this person who worked there who sold the Apple products said, he goes, are you a, an Apple person? I go, I am. And he goes, laptop too? I go, absolutely. He goes, um, have you ever had an iPad before? And I'm holding the iPad in my hand. And I go, I did. And he goes, you hated it. I go, I hated my old iPad. He goes, people that had the old iPad hated it. <laughs> he goes, um, let, let me ask you this. He goes, You're, do you email more off your phone or your Mac? And I said, more off my iPhone. He goes, you would love the new iPad. It's very much like a larger version of your phone. He goes, do you store your photos on the phone or do you store them on, on the iPad or on the, on the Mac and, or the cloud? I said, well, the cloud. He said, then you wouldn't want the expensive one. Get the cheaper one. He goes, your old iPad, did you have that little <laughs> keyboard? And I go, I did. He goes, you hated it, didn't you? I go, I hated it. He goes, let me guess. It was Bluetooth and it, it lagged when you type things in. I go, I did. It was horrible. He says, you'll love this new keyboard because it's a lot like one of like the new computers where it's magnetized on, it's actually part of the iPad. You'd love it. And then he goes, do you journal? And I go, what kind of question is that? Do you journal? I go, <laughs> I go, yeah, I do. He goes, well, the Apple iPad comes with this little pencil that you can annotate and write things down. You would love it. 
Well, let me tell you something. That iPad was $733. The keyboard was $150, and the pen was $100. $1,000 product requires a $1,000 presentation. I wasn't marketed that iPad as much as I was sold that iPad. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so how would you say it is an advice for entrepreneurs? So I would say for entrepreneurs, you need to really sit down and think, who would want my product and why would they want it? Two, what I would coach you on is just remember, you personally as an entrepreneur, when you sell your product or service, one of the reasons you end up selling it so well is because of your passion behind it. If you take the word enthusiasm, the Latin root word is enthuse. It means gift of the gods or God from within, hmm. right? The last four letters of enthusiasm are I am sold myself. because it's IASM, I'm sold myself. So as an entrepreneur of a startup, regardless of what kind of company in, your passion for what you do is what will, that will sell the day. You have to start figuring out what the logical reasons are people would want it too that's beyond your enthusiasm. Because remember, when people buy things, they, they buy emotionally, but they justify logically. So as you kind of think out your sales process, you need to think about what are the logical reasons why somebody would want it, which are going to bring up why the reasons they wouldn't want it. So as you start to develop a sales process for what you do, you have a blend of both, and then you won't be so clouded as you add business development people into your business. So I think it's really important. So anytime we go in and assess a situation, we try to separate the entrepreneur's enthusiasm and isolate it. And it's important. Don't get me wrong. It's very important that the entrepreneur, I'm, you can tell I'm passionate about our business mm, sure. and I should be, but I take all the risk, right? <laughs> so I want you to be that way, but I also want you to think of it in a logical fashion so we can really look at your product or service and figure out how you're going to sell it. Because you know, think about a lot of these tech firms that came out of Silicon Valley. There are so many stories about how these folks didn't even have a fully designed process or app or... whatever software but really went out and sold it and sold the vision of it right so so that's the big thing so you're not going to fly off the shelf you got to figure out how you're going to sell it hmm. right so to whoever's going to hold it drive it you know all that good stuff I love it so much and I love so much that you said that that people are buying from emotional reasons but they need the logical reasons to help them make the decision and it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and I do agree that entrepreneurs must think of both. You've got a lot of successes, and we will talk about it in a minute. But I would like to ask you, what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most, or almost the most. Can you share this story with us? Yeah. Yeah, um, there, there's several. I, I, wish, I wish I could say there was only one failure. There's a company in, in the United States. It's called, um, it's a Swedish name. It's called Asplund, okay. spelled okay. A-S-P-L-U-N-D-H. And what they do, and it's an international company, and they're based out of Pennsylvania, out of uh, an area called Horsham, Pennsylvania. What they do is they cut trees uh, around high wires. So they work with utility companies. And I was a young, young up-and-comer. Mm. And I had a chance to sell very large consulting and training to this company. And at that point, it would have been 
the biggest thing I'd ever sold. It would have put my my fortune on the map. It would have been wonderful. Mm. So I met with this guy. His name was Billy. And I had a great conversation with him. We had coffee. And we were able to move the deal to another step, meaning he was bringing his boss in. Billy was very particular that everything was buttoned up. Everything felt smooth. He was a pro. And little things were important to Billy. Well, when I came in to meet with his counterpart or his boss and um, the person he reported to and him, I had prepared a proposal and I decided to change his name from Billy to William on the proposal. Why is that? Where, now, well, clearly on his card, it said Billy. It didn't say William. I decided to make it what I thought was formal and proper. Okay. And, it, and here's, here's what happened to me. When I went into the next meeting, Billy was quick to point out that his name was not William, that his family name was Billy, and he was named after an important relative. He made a very big deal about it. Mm. I didn't win the business. And I don't know if I didn't win the business because of that, but I, but I would say this. The little things are everything. And by me not getting to know him and really know how important a name is, that's everything in business. Because we sell to people. We do business with people. And and little things are everything. Just like how you spent time with me um, early to make sure I could pronounce your name. And you asked me how to pronounce my name, hmm. right? A personal signature. And the name is that person, the single most important sound in any language. And you know what? When we miss those things, we miss everything. Wow. I love that story. <clears throat> and now I would like you to tell us the story about your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. Um. If you don't mind, I'm going to probably make it because to me, the, the thing that comes up is when I bought my first business as an entrepreneur, sure. it was, it was, are you okay if I kind of answer it that sure. way? Take it wherever you want. I'm sure that's what we want to hear. So I was, um, you know, with anything else and everybody on the line knows this, you Everybody here probably has a partner or somebody that's significant in their life, a wife, a significant other, somebody you spend your life with, whatever that is or that designation is, you probably have people that are important to you. So my wife, for me, I would say that if, if she wasn't involved with the risk that I've taken as an entrepreneur myself, I mean, I own a small to mid-sized business. And, um, you know, my dad taught me, you can, you have two arms and two legs. You can do anything anybody else can do. You have a good head on your shoulder, you know, and he taught mm -hmm. the world's your oyster. So when I decided that I was going to buy my first business and leave Dale Carnegie in Philadelphia and buy the operation, uh, buy another operation by myself and not have partners and do it on my own, my wife and I sat down and talked and we put some parameters to it and she was willing to take the risk. And I had made uh, a couple calls to a couple marketplaces, and I'd called the Cleveland operation. I never met the guy. His name's John Langdon. And I said, John, yeah. you know, um, I know you've owned the Dale Carnegie operation in Cleveland multiple years. And I said, the reason I'm calling you is I, I don't know if you know me. I, I'm a salesperson in Philadelphia, but I would love the opportunity to talk to you about potentially buying your business. Mm -hmm. And kind of gruff. And he said, oh, yeah. I said, I said, yeah. He goes, why are you calling me? I said, well, I think. 
Cleveland's a, a great market and could really boom. And he goes, I don't know if I'm interested in selling. This is just coming out of the blue. And I said, just out of curiosity, I said, if you were willing to sell your business, what would you sell it for? And he paused and he said, I'd, I'd probably sell it for, for a, a little under a million. And I said, would you be interested in at least talking? And he said, I'd talk to you. And he goes, but I'm leaving for a fishing trip to Canada next, uh, in the weekend, and it was like a Tuesday. He goes, why don't we do it right afterwards? And I thought to myself, man, if he goes on that fishing trip and sits back and thinks there's a good chance that he might not even want to sell it, I might have him. Hmm. I said, well, John, I said, would you be willing to maybe talk tomorrow? He goes, well, you're in Philly. I said, well, yeah. I said, I'd come, look, why don't I just come up and grab a cup of coffee tomorrow and mm -hmm. I'm talking about your business. And he said, all right, you can be out here. He goes, it's a pretty far drive. I said, well, I'll worry about that. You, you know, where are you at? And we ended up meeting the next day. I drove through the night for 10 hours because I couldn't have a plane ticket. And we verbalized the deal the next day. Number one, that to me is, is the greatest success, not because I negotiated a great deal. I connected with a man that I still know. He worked with me for years after that. Hmm. But I think as an entrepreneur, your ability to know how much risk you're willing to take and the people around you to support that risk, I think it's critical. It's custom critical. And it's custom critical when you sell. You got to know how much risk. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic story. I love that. Can you recommend the best or most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer focus marketing or sales? However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that works for you and helps you to succeed so much. Yeah, you know, that's, it's interesting because somebody just asked me that question um, recently. I would say right now, the tool I'm in love with. And it's it's because like listen, right now everybody on the phone or everybody on the everybody on this podcast gets the fact that, you know, we're seeing into the future right now. Like you and I are talking, you know, we talk we're talking on Skype and there's all these Zoom meetings going on. And we've been we've been dealing with things virtually for a while, but I think people are starting to realize that that you might not need to be face to face as much as you would think. And the tool I love right now, I, and probably for the last year, there's this concept that's called Clear Slide. And we do, we do all of our presentations on this Clear Slide where we engage people, you can turn the camera on. But then when we send our proposals over, we can see where they're spending time with it. And I love that. I love that feature. I just think it's so slick. The other thing though, is when we're presenting our slides, like I did a presentation today with one of my salespeople. We can tell if they're looking at the slides when we're talking to them. Wow. And you're talking about actually a long distance uh, yeah. presentation or face to face? No, it's, it's actually a, through a virtual concept because most of the selling Fantastic. that does is, you know, we don't, we don't hop on planes and, and talk to people. We, we do it like this. And look, it's tougher to sell this way. You lose, you know, you lose the body language when you, when you can't sure. see somebody or be with them. So I, I just love that tool. I just think it's a wonderful tool. It's fantastic. I haven't heard about it. Yeah, it's called ClearSlide. But but bottom line is you're only as good as the person operating it. It's just like a car, right? If you can't drive <laughs> very well or you can't act in the moment, right? It's it's dependent on who's driving it. 
Yeah, it is, but it sounds like a great tool, and we will have the link in our show notes over this interview. You know, there are many factors that affect success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really makes it for them. And I want to ask you, what is your key success factor, your one key success factor? It's a, um, it's a quote that I dictate. Successful people form the habits of doing things successful people don't like to do. <laughs> it comes from a talk by a gentleman named Albert E. Period and Period Gray. He gave a speech in the 1940s that was called the common denominator of success. And he, he was quoted as saying that. For, so for me, it's that. Am I willing to do what it takes to be successful? But that's, that's my key motivator. That's my key driver. Mm, wow. And my last question before I'll ask you what is the best way to be in touch with you and connect with you. My last question is my mountain question. Sure. And as my listeners already know, I have been imagining this journey of marketing in the mind of the consumers or customers for years. I've been imagining it as climbing a mountain step after step after step and building this, what we call know, like, and trust, and then building the brand and the relationships. And at some point, I started to ask my guests, and that's what I'm asking you, whether you ever climbed a mountain or wish to climb a mountain, or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? And I meant physical mountain, but you can definitely take the metaphor and talk about the metaphor as well. You know, I looked at the question and, and before, there's two metaphors, um, but I, I have to say, like, with being in the coronavirus, all my sons are home and, and we're all having dinner every night together. And, and it's a good thing that way. It's very good. And we, we've been talking a lot about what's life look like? What's different? What's where are you going with this? What could it be? And so there's been a lot of candid conversations. And I'd sat down with them the other day and I shared with them before that most all of them were born. I'm the son of um, my father had two families, seven kids from his first family. And, and I'm the oldest of the second group of three. And he married a very younger woman. And hmm. when he passed, I was asked to give the eulogy. So on my desk, and I'm going to send a picture of this, is this picture of a man next to a tree looking a mountain. And it always... It's what I delivered at his eulogy in 1999, and my dad always reminded me there's always going to be another mountain. And so I'll just read what it says, and it maybe for some of you it's an overused quote, but this is what I shared at his eulogy. And so it's the essence of achievement. Uh, the credit belongs to those who are actually in the arena, who know great enthusiasms, great devotions to a worthy cause, who at best know the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst fail while daring greatly. So their place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat, Theodore Roosevelt. And that picture of the mountain and that quote, metaphorically, it's why it sits behind my desk. So that's what came out. Hmm. Wow. What a beautiful story. I didn't even know that when I asked you the mountain story. It is a beautiful story. And I would love to have the photo of this picture. And I want to ask you, what is the best way to be in touch with you, to connect with you, to any of our listeners that would like to be in touch, hear from you, learn from you, contact you, work with you. So please, uh, on LinkedIn, from a business standpoint, mm -hmm. just look my name up, Lance Tyson. 
And you can go to our corporate website at tysongroup.com and on Twitter at Lance Tyson. And if you're an Instagram person, L, um, the letter LT plan. We will have all these links in the show notes of this interview. Lance, I would like to thank you so much for being with me today. It has been a pleasure. I enjoyed our conversation. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.